Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a first Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. I am merely Bo. He is the great Z. A gorgeous day in the Buckeye State, buddy. A couple more of these, right? And then winter's nice here. nice to see it. And then winter is coming, yeah, this weekend. But it looks like the snow is going to hold off, so that's exciting. And, uh, yeah, it is a nice day here. And it's good to be back, like, a Wednesday, a football week again. A what? First Friday. Yeah. Football week again. Fall. It's great. Like, I love this. I feel like now we're back. The bye week. I mean, it stunk. In some ways, it was great because we were able to carry that momentum and that win for two weeks. But it's good to get back to the business and get downstairs, see all the guys, you know, and and get excited about an opportunity against a very good, as I get into my preparation for the game on Sunday, a very good, very explosive, very fun Miami team. But I like that. I like that on a, on a first Friday. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I, th- I think it – I mean, I th- we talked about this earlier in the week. I, I found that I was – that with without our game to pay attention to, juxtapose of no Ravens you pay attention to your enemies right so no Ravens on Sunday no Steelers on Sunday and then the Bengals game was done a quarter and a half into it yeah so I found that the football was lacking a little bit this weekend uh it's back in full force this weekend with us back and and a big game down in Miami for a preview let's head to the podium here's coach six and three uh won their last three uh they're operating at a high level on all three sides of the ball they're well coached. I know a bunch of their coaches. They do a great job, and then uh, I think they're just they're doing a nice job. Obviously, offensively, quarterbacks playing at a very high level. Uh, they're they're dangerous on the perimeter. Uh, they're just they're doing a nice job scoring a bunch of points defensively. Really impressed with their defense in total. The front is big and stout and long. They can rush the passer. Uh, they can stop the run. In the back end, they have playmakers. Uh, with Howard being as good as it, it gets in the uh, NFL, really, really good player. So. And then special teams, uh, really well coached. Coach Crossman coaching the teams, does a nice job. So uh, quite the challenge going on the road, playing a good football team. Uh, so we got to have a really good work week, and that starts really today. So with that, I'll take any questions. Is Denzel fully cleared? I don't know that he's fully cleared yet, but, again, he's hitting all the benchmarks right now. Monday okay? And- yes. He's still he's not practicing today, we're, we're told. What is his situation? Rehabbing, working through the injury. Tyreek Hill is one of those faster than fast guys. Mm-hmm. What kind of problems does he create, obviously, you know, throughout your defense? Yeah, I think they're doing a nice job utilizing his speed. He's got world class speed, uh, can make plays down the field, uh, tracking the football, can get the ball in his hands early and let him. Uh, let him go. We've played him a couple times in Kansas City, so you know that speed. It's real. Um, and then just the way they use him with motion, uh, it's almost like Canadian football where he's got a full running start at the snap. So he gets into your defensive secondary very quickly. Uh, quarterback does a nice job of getting him the ball in, in areas that he can catch and pluck and go. How do you try to combat that? Well, I mean, you know, Every team goes into it trying to slow him down. It's 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 difficult. Uh, there's 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 not one thing that you can do to to say, hey, we're going to stop him by doing this. It's just uh, they they're he's good and and they got other players that can hurt you. So you try to give them a, a couple different looks. It might be one plan on, on this play and one plan on another play, and try and just be sound in what you're doing. Uh, but he, he's a good player. You're just trying to limit the the big explosives. 
harder is it when you have a guy like Waddle on the other side so you can't put all your attention on Yeah, him? I think that's really the that's a big part of that. Uh, Waddle's a really, really good young player uh, in his own right, uh, different, but fast and, and dynamic with the ball in his hand. So uh, they complement each other in that way. And, and again, it's it's a challenge for our defense. Yeah, they seem to like to attack the middle of the field, the middle of the defense. Just what type of pressure is that put on that side of the ball for you? Yeah, I, I think that they do a really nice job quarterback. Works in the middle of the field. Their route concepts are around that middle of the field. And when you do that, you're not you're not going to run out of the grass. You're going to not use the sideline. You know, sometimes to your uh, to your advantage as a defense. Well, when you work the middle of the field, you work in between the numbers. You can catch and turn and, and get yak. So uh, they they can do it from a shorter pass attack. They can do it from a intermediate and deep pass attack. But uh, so much of it comes back to defensively being true to your rules, being true in your zones, in your mans. Um, and then ultimately, uh, when in position to make a play, you got to make a play. So they do a great job on the perimeter. Is that how they set it up? I, well, I, I guess when I say perimeter, I'm saying they're receivers. Uh, but their receivers can make plays all over the field, to, to Daryl's point. I mean, they can throw just go routes and, and that type of thing. Um, they can also, off of some of their RPOs, get the ball in their receivers' hands, really uh, using all 53 in the third of the field. Is of an immediate impact as Bradley Chubb made on their defense? Really good player. Uh, you know, Joe Woods knows him well, uh, so speaks very highly of him. We obviously did a lot of study on him back to his Denver time, just one game to, to watch there in Miami. But uh, very, very strong at the point of attack, sets the edge well, very good motor. Uh, you, you know, only one game look at how they may use him from last week, so they may move him around. You know, we're not exactly sure. They have, they have multiple edge rushers, but adding him to the mix, he's a really good football player. When you're talking to Jacoby, he, he mentioned uh, that the players kind of realized the magnitude of that Bengals game, which is why everybody played so well. How difficult is it to keep that urgency up now for, for these next nine games? Yeah, I think for us, Jeff, it, it really does go back to a one-game season, one game. Uh, this one's important. Uh, the next one's going to be important and, and so on. But uh, for us, we totally understand where we are, uh, but we got to focus on, on going 1-0 uh, down against a very, very good football team on the road take these things one week at a time. But the reality is, over the last nine games, you're going to play six of these on the road in, in hostile environments. So I guess my question is, how, how do you prepare for that and maybe try and turn that into somewhat of an advantage for your team? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the NFL game, you know, you got to go on the road and, and win and, and in some tough environments where it's loud. Um, and that has an effect on the offense, particularly on third down. So you got to be great in your operation. Um, but you know, we got one more road game than home game this year. You don't, you can't control how the schedule shakes out those type of things. And, uh, you know, you really do have to have the mentality that you'll play anybody, anywhere, um, wherever it shakes out. I know the, the linebacker room has obviously had so many injuries this year. I guess how important has Sione Taki Taki been and putting up some of the best numbers of his career and flying around the field the way he has? Yeah, he, he's played really well. And I think, You've seen an increased number of snaps, and I think what he's done with those uh, has been impressive. Uh, you know, 
sometimes when you're that base linebacker that comes off in nickel, you just don't get the opportunity. You don't get the, the exposure. And I think with added exposure, he's done a nice job. Uh, plays very physical, good tackler, smart, in the right place. Uh, so excited for him to have a continued uh, role in what we're doing moving forward. Opportunity, just the biggest change, you think, from, yeah, from season to season? Yeah, I think it's simply that, just opportunity. Yes, Cam. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Ashley. Jacoby also mentioned uh, playing complimentary football, and you know, your message to them was, "This is what it could look like if we continue this." How important is it for you guys to keep that communication, not just with each other on all sides of the ball, but offense with the defense, defense with special teams, and all of that together going into yeah, this? Yeah, I think it's vitally important. I think this is—it's the greatest team game there is, and it, you need all three sides of the ball to. to play these team games to, to get a team win. You really have to uh, play together. You know, you go back to that last game, our defense played really well early and kept the team in it. And I think that's really important. And then, you know, you're going to make a play on special teams, which is going to flip the field. And, and that's that, you know, winning the position or excuse me, the field position battle. Uh, so it all plays into it. Uh, and I think our team has been in, in situations where we know uh, if, if we've fallen short, we just needed one more play from this side or one more play from this player or whatever it is. Uh, so we know the margins are so small in this game. That's why it is so important to play that complimentary football and understand it's going to take all three sides of the ball. Who still seems like he really wants to try to play in this game. Are you optimistic that he will? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I think we'll see. He's rehabbing very, very hard. He's trying like crazy. Um, I can't peg it right now on a Wednesday, but I wouldn't rule him out. Two and zero after buys and two previous seasons. You think you got this figured out? Late over the last three. No, I mean, coming off the buy is a time to get healthy. Uh, it's, so it's important. For some guys that are battling, Mary Kay mentioned David, there's, there's guys that are battling to get back. I think that's where the bye helps you. I think it helps you, um, like we've talked about, self-scout to really understand yourself and then to dive into your opponent uh, ahead of time. So I don't know what everyone's record is coming off the bye, but you would think that'd be an advantage to most teams. 500 overall. Yeah, or, or better. Obviously, Mike McDaniel spent a lot of time in the Shanahan system. Are there significant differences, though, with what he's running down there versus the Shanahan scheme? Um, I think everybody kind of shares a little bit of DNA, and, and there's a thread woven throughout them, the, these offenses in, in similar ways. And then what's so interesting to me is, is how different they can seem as well. So uh, some teams like ourselves, we may feature different run types more so than others. Uh, what they're doing in Miami with a lot of the pre-snap motion is 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 uh, unique, and and uh, they're, the way they're throwing the ball and the actions of off of which they're throwing the ball is unique to them. So I think I, I do think there's similarities, but then the differences are, are pretty stark when you watch the tape. You know, the trade deadline's passed, so who you have is what you're going to go with down the stretch. And my question is leaning more towards Kareem's particular situation. His future for the rest of the year now is no longer in flux. Um, does that change anything for you uh, when it comes to using him or incorporating him or anything like that? Now you have that one-two combination the rest of the way. Yeah, I understand uh, what you're saying, Daryl, but it really doesn't affect me uh, or us in any way. Uh, Kareem's a big part of what we do. He always has been, uh, always will be. 
uh, plays hard. There's going to be opportunities for him. So, but in relation to the trade deadline, anything like that doesn't really affect me. Silly question, but what do you think about left-handed quarterbacks? Do they affect your gameplay? Something that you would use in your system? Is it? Yeah, I, I, you don't discriminate. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, lefty, righty doesn't really matter. I think there's a little bit of the element of the receivers getting used to catching that ball, uh, but that comes pretty quickly uh, once you get used to that because obviously it's spinning differently. Um, you can, at times, you run certain plays for righties uh, that, you know, a lot of a lot of quarterbacks are more comfortable rolling to the right when you're a righty, so some things may be mirrored when, when you have a lefty. Uh, but two in particular, there's there's no limitations to what he can do. Uh, he's, uh, he's playing at a very high level. He's making throws to every area of the field, uh, operating their system, uh, showing accuracy, making good decisions with the ball. So uh, he's doing a nice job. You know, he's athletic. He can make plays with his feet, but I think his he's just he's a very good thrower of the football. I mean, he, he uh, the ball comes out of his hand quickly. So in terms of keeping him in the pocket, uh, yeah, they, they will have design movements and those type of things, but uh, he does a nice job of uh, processing quickly and getting the ball out quickly, uh, which we would expect uh, to continue. Um, doesn't make it any easier uh, because he's still playing at a high level. Are you guys keeping an eye on the weather, and are you worried at all about travel plans or anything going on for the weekend? No, I think travel plans, we should be okay. It's going to be warm. You know, it'll be 82, sounds like, uh, on Sunday. It'll be warmer um, in the sun on, on our sideline, so we'll have plans for that. But... I always tell the guys, you know, we we don't control the weather. We deal with it. So whatever it is, it is. But I, I do want them to know ahead of time just to have the hydration and, and do the things that can help them uh, leading into Sunday. Kevin, I know we've talked about Nick Chubb's consistency and work ethic and all the great things about him ad nauseum. But what does it mean overall to have a, for a franchise to have that kind of a player that you can point to for all your young players to follow, all, all the things that he brings? Yeah, I think – you know, Nick's a great example, Tom, of you, you don't have to uh, be loud. You don't have to be vocal. You don't have to be boisterous. You don't have to be given pregame speeches in order to lead. Uh, he's a great leader by example. He will speak up when necessary, uh, and, and, and he has done that. But I think it's always good when there's an example of how to do it the right way. And that's helpful in the running back room. Uh, I think it's helpful to the offense, helpful to the team. I think when you have a guy that's a pro's pro that does his job, uh, I think everybody sees that. The fact that he doesn't say much, you know, doesn't change his standing to of, to me, to his teammates, or whatever. I just think they see a, a guy that uh, knows when it's time to to get to work. When he speaks up like that, does that kind of give it a little extra punch because he's not the type to to normally speak yeah, up? It's, it's always, yeah. I mean, with with Nick, anytime he speaks, it's. You know, you know it's coming from somewhere that that's important to him. Uh, you know, he's part of our leadership group, so he, he's not he shares his his opinions uh, to the group. Um, so he, he's earned that role uh, on our football team. Going back to that question about the Shanahan offenses and how everybody kind of does it different, as you're going through a week like this or some other team, are there times when you see something and like put a pin in it and say, hey, you know, I can use that or oh, yeah. things you've never thought of? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, 
you get into the season and you're, you know, game planning, uh, you're watching a lot of tape and, and you're always looking for inspiration. So sometimes you put on, we, I have coaches that grab tape of, of certain teams that, that I always want to see the stuff that they're doing week in and week out so you can steal it. Uh, and that's just, and sometimes you steal it exactly as it is. Sometimes you grab it and say, okay, they did it this way. It probably fits us to do it that way. So there are teams that we share similarities with that we watch every single week to help help us with ideas. Somebody runs something against you and you're like, hey, wait, that's mine. Yeah, it, it happens. And, and listen, I don't know if there's any original ideas anymore. I mean, we're all stealing from each other, and I'm not afraid to admit it either. You mentioned the Miami sideline thing, and that's kind of like a really niche, like, have you ever experienced anything like that at opposing stadiums where maybe they have an advantage that you wouldn't even think about? Or <laughs> I remember when we played the Seahawks in the playoffs when it was negative six degrees uh, when I was with the Vikings, and we were at the Vikings, we were uh, purposefully put the sideline where we did. Uh, it was on the other side of the Gophers, so we were actually on the visitor side than the Gophers, but knew that in cold weather that would be the shade. So it was negative six in the sun. I don't even know what it was. It was colder uh, in the shade that day. Um, now, the Seahawks played great, but that, that was a that's one example of where, you know, you, you can do some things home field advantage uh, when it comes to weather. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, there's Coach at the podium. Browns fans catch the Kevin Stefanski Show with Z and Gerard tomorrow night, 7 to 8. Teams on Eastland Road in Middleburg Heights. Meet Browns said in Harrison Bryan. Check out Thursday Night Football as the guys get you ready for Sunday's game against the Dolphins. Coming up next, uh, some thoughts on Coach's uh, presser right there and some roster movement that we've had already this morning. we get to all of that coming up next. We're off and running. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And Bo here for my friends at Renew Home Exteriors. Upgrade the look and value of your home with new siding from Renew Home Exteriors. Ranging in every architectural style in over 50 colors. Save thousands this month during the Renew Home Exteriors end of the siding sale. 24 months, no payments, no interest. Take advantage of the year-end deals before January 1st. Price hikes start. Beautify your home. Premium siding, roofing products at lower prices for the new home exteriors. Visit RenewEstimate.com. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Uh, by the way, uh, beautiful yesterday. We, you know, we, had, we had the election day, and I, I found civility everywhere. Totally. Same. It's crazy. We were talking about it before the show started. Like there, Sometimes I think... There, you feel like the reality is the social media where there's all this anger and discourse, but then in the reality of life, it's fine. Like you take a loss, you take a dub, and you move on, and you, that's it, and everybody's fine. Democracy, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Did you did you find your – were you bouncing around? Were you did you were you into it at all the election night last night? I just glanced at it like as I went to bed because it's more – I'm not necessarily interested in them being, oh, well, just right. tell what happened. Who won? All right, what happened? Let Who me won? know. What does it mean? I do like – And it's I, not even decided anyway. In a lot of places, not. I do like at like – I think it was like at 9 o'clock yesterday, I just went to like all of the cable channels, and it was just fascinating, the tone. The difference. Yeah. Was stunning, you know, all the way around. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's very much like – it's far more serious and the stakes are much greater, but very much like sports, how it's, you frame it the way that you want for your home. There are different team. homers, right? Yeah. The, there are homers yeah. on for yeah. every team there. Right. Yeah. And although the crazy thing, and this happened in the last 20 years or so, inevitably we were all on the same team in this one. 
and in sports, you know, you do kind of stay separate, right. but that's not the case there. But it, that was uh, that was that's always one of my favorite things to do. Give me ten minutes on each one to just see how they kind of spin it a little bit. Uh, we have some rop- roster updates. These are from yesterday afternoon. Wide receiver Cyril Grayson to the uh, practice squad and waved yep. Herb Miller to the active roster. What can you tell me about Grayson? Not much. Not much. Brother. Welcome aboard, brother. Yeah. See if you can get out there. It's always one of those things. You get, you're getting guys to run around. I wouldn't be surprised if Herb Miller ends up back on the practice squad after he was released from the active roster uh, for the Browns. He's somebody that they like, obviously, in the program. But, you know, Cyril Grayson, not anybody that's going to make an impact on the lineup anytime soon. So I wouldn't necessarily hold your breath for that. Again, this is stuff we have people come and go from the practice yeah, squad who never. Sometimes they end up being bartenders. Sometimes. You never know. Never know. And you never know. If they are going to get to play in the games, if they if they claim uh, they do, or if they do, who knows? don't know? You never know. It's all in play. So Grayson, by the way, third year out of Louisiana State, originally signed by Seattle's an undrafted free agent in seventeen. He's been with the Seahawks, the Colts, the Texans, the Bears, the Cowboys, the Bucks. Over the course of his career, ten games, eleven catches, two hundred and fifteen yards, and two touchdowns. Um, did not participate in college football, ran track and field at LSU. Oh, I remember Was this a guy. four-time champion, seven-time All-American between the indoor and outdoor seasons of 13 to 16. So older. Burner. A burner, but an older guy, right? I mean, if he graduated in 16 yeah. from college. So tried to give it a go on the Olympic circuit and now trying to see if the speed years. can. Well, he kind of came right in because in 17 he was originally with Seattle. Yeah. So he's been on. It's interesting. One of the things, he's never really made it. But he's been on practice squads of one, two, three, four, five different teams over the course of five years. Speed is tantalizing. Yeah, I'm curious. What's up with a guy from Philly? Where's that guy at? That guy from Philly in the oh, preseason yeah, 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 that yeah. runs like a – That guy. I was blanking for a second. He wasn't yeah. a like medalist in the right, Olympics. Right, was, yeah. And ran right by our defense. He did, In yeah. that game. And he I did. don't think he's been active or anything. Yeah. Also, uh, the rare Louisiana State out of you. As opposed LSU. to LSU. Usually it's reading, an LSU. That was Ron Burgundy. That's what it says. Grayson is in his third Papa year out Burgundy. of Louisiana State. I just, I literally read Papa what was Burgundy. on the prompter. It's yeah. rare that you get a, at a Louisiana. I, I'm surprised yeah. that why I wouldn't say LSU in there, to be honest with you. It does talk feel, to Dom about that. That's a good job. Yeah, probably wouldn't need to talk to Dom because I've never – Louisiana State – I mean, that's kind of like when – I think the only other comparison I can think of in my head is Penn State. Like, nobody ever says the, says Pennsylvania State. Yeah, He's Penn a State. fifth-year player out of Pennsylvania State. Like, it's always Penn State. Like, and LSU is always LSU. That. We need to get Dom in here. It's never Louisiana State. No. But Ohio State is, isn't necessarily always OSU. It's usually Ohio State. V. V. Yeah. You get a Louisiana Tech. Yeah. There's a Louisiana. A Louisiana. Yeah. A Louisiana Tech. You get – what's the other one like? Louisiana Lafayette Monroe or something like that. Two different places. Louisiana Lafayette okay. now now is just branded Louisiana. Oh, that's and just, okay. the Raging Cajuns. And okay. then there's Louisiana Monroe. Louisiana Monroe. And then there's Louisiana Tech. Um and then Tulane and a bunch sure. of others. But the Green yeah, Wave. We go on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great logo and nickname, by the way, the Green Wave. Big, big awesome. fan of that. Yeah, huge and it's, fan. Color scheme's great. They're ranked. They're ranked eighteenth in the country and in football. Don't you, if you go to college there, aren't you just partying in New Orleans? Yeah, I just assume that if you go to – I don't know. I'm sure, I know people going to the best time ever. I'm sure it's fantastic. I also feel like if you go to Tulane, like somehow you end up a lawyer in a John Grisham book. Like those seem linked to me. Like feels like it should be. Feels like that's the way that's going to go. Yeah. Uh, not practicing today as we begin preparations for Miami. MJ Emerson, that's a bit of a red flag. I don't like that. It says Ill, illness. illness. Yeah, he's imperative. Uh, the Chief still with the ankle, JOK with the knee, and Perry and Winfrey on the illness. Um, 
yeah, precautionary, you hope, on all the illness parts. Yes. Uh, we talked about Chief yesterday a little bit. I'm sure he's going to give it his best to go, but that'll be something we'll determine later in the week. The, the one we always pay attention to is the Friday injury report, right? That's yeah. when we start to really hone in on, like, if you don't practice Friday, you don't play, typically. That's correct. What you also can get some ideas from, you know, during the week is not necessarily, like, if they practice, are they, you know, how are they feeling? Are they able to be involved in anything, whether it's individual, whether it's walkthrough? Are they able to be involved in anything? And that can give you a little bit of, you know, comfort and, and vibes on if somebody's going to be able to go or not. And I see nothing from Denzel Ward on this. No, so he's going to practice. Uh, Coach so said that, that would he, mean... can, he can't say that he's fully through the protocol, but that he is going to practice. And uh, hopefully that will be a good thing. That would be a very good thing because you're going to need the corners, all three of them, and then some this week against this Miami team. There's some staggering stuff um, as, as when we meet the Dolphins, staggering stuff they're doing offensively. It's stunning. Nuts. Did you, could you think of one better from a just pure speed one-two duo in NFL in our, in your NFL lifetime? I couldn't. I thought about it after the show. I was trying to think if there was anybody that I missed, any combination I missed of two burners – they both take the top off. Who are the guys like back in the day with the with Elway? Uh, like what was his Vance name? Johnson? It's Vance Johnson. Yeah, um, and Ricky something. Ricky Natile. Ricky Nat- Yeah, they weren't. They I don't think like they this. were like this though. Willie Galt speed point. and somebody would be a Willie chance. by himself. Yeah, but he was kind of a golden Tim Brown. Tim Brown was not a burner. Tim Brown was like Amari Cooper. Yeah, he could beat you deep, but he was just like the best route runner. Mm-hmm period yeah there were some some of those oilers teams that i'm remembering hey, some super jeffries. yeah super tech mobile with drew was it drew hill and hayward jeffries yeah and, like i don't know if they had a couple of guys who could fly though yeah i mean this is we you just don't ever see two guys who and these guys are both they're not like they're both just willie galt run straight lines like these are big time receivers yeah. who also possess the next gear speed wise you just rarely see anything like what this Miami operation has um and they're taking watching the tape is terrifying yeah they're right. terrifying that's the thing that I don't even understand about watching them is that they are guys are so open that it's just bonkers they're open by a mile the PFF guys are calling um Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in in respect to Tua, they're calling them Bama Open. Yes. It's like he's at Bama again. Yes. Like, remember, that's always been the critique of, like, the Ohio State quarterbacks. It's hard to criticize. It's hard to judge them because they're the guys are so open. The receiving core is so good. These guys are Bama Open, which I think makes a lot of sense. For that in the NFL, though, it's two things, right? Because it's not just how good they are. Yeah. It's how good the scheme sure. is. And they are – They're and, married. Yeah. Now I got a chance to talk with Amari. We'll hear that tomorrow. I love talking with him. He might be my—he was one of my favorite people to talk with, just from a football standpoint, and hearing mm-hmm. the way that he goes about his business and attacks things. But he says, like, for a player, it is easy to execute and take advantage of your strengths when you have a good game plan. Like, if you—they—if the coaches put you in the right position, it's very easy. When they—when you're not, it becomes very difficult. And what you have there is a marriage of extreme talent and extremely good game planning. From yeah. Mike McDaniel. And so it makes offense very easy to play. Gibby, did you have something? Uh, we can go through it later since 
I believe Bernard is going to be calling he is. here momentarily. All right, very good. All right, so we'll get to Gibby's points. I have points. the uh, wide receiver combos to go through. Oh, okay, I like that. So. Uh, hey, Browns fans, skip the chore of laundry. Enjoy life, not laundry. Tide Cleaner is offering 30% off dry cleaning for the month of October and be entered to win four VIP Browns tickets to an upcoming home game. Just mention the promo code BROWNS. Visit TideCleaners.com to find the closest location to you. Some exclusions may apply. The great Bernie Kozar coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Ben on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hey, Browns fans, you can enter for a chance to win season tickets for the 2023 season from Sugardale and your local Meyer. Two lucky fans are going to have a chance to compete on the field during halftime of the November 27th game for the ultimate prize. Text Browns to 55678 to enter today. Now we head out on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Iced Tea, an official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. It's our great friend, the legend Bernie Kozar on the hotline. Bernie, uh, Z and I were talking about uh, Waddle and Tyreek Hill and their explosiveness. What What's the best it, – it's hard to find one that's as explosive as that in, in, as, far as, as, as far as our head goes. Is there any duo that jumps out to you that had that type of high-end speed and ability that these two have? Wow. You know what? I was I was actually listening to the last segment, and you guys are doing an awesome job as usual, and I love the phrase Alabama open. Uh, that's uh, the, the way those guys get open, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Um, to see the separation that those guys mm-hmm. have, to see, and uh, as I'm trying to come up with a couple of receivers in my head that um, assimilate to the same – uh, awesome duo that those guys are doing right now. It's really hard for me to uh, come up with one off the top of my head. And as I was thinking about that, to compound the issue, you know, I uh, I talk about, you guys talk about so much on the show through the course of the year, how much respect and admiration I have for Coach Stefanski and the way he masterfully uses personnel groups, motions, and shifts in particular early in the game to really throw the opposing defenses off off base to get us into the game. And we've talked about how great he does script in those first 15 to 20 plays. Well, same with, unfortunately, with Mike McDaniel. And what he's doing with his motions and shifts, uh, the personnel groups, he's not switching as much. But, boy, the, the, each week he's kind of coming up with a new motion, a new shift, a new personnel grouping. And – and on top of the play action past the RPO game that he's implemented with two right now, it's it's really put a dynamic to this to this offense that that's challenging every defense that plays week in and week out. And it's and it's a tribute to our Browns to show you how good our Browns offense has been. That we're actually rated offensively a little higher than this phenomenal Miami Dolphins offense. That's right. The Miami Dolphins coming to this as the number five overall offense in the NFL, the number 10 scoring offense. And Bernie astutely pointing out the Browns' total offense. We are number four in the league in total offense. We are number seven in scoring 25 points a game. But this team, to be fair, had a few games without Tua that would impact their numbers a little bit. But Bernie, when we were talking about these duos, and, and it, yes, it's great. And you mentioned right there what Mike McDaniel's doing. And, you know, it's the great game plan and then the ability to execute it. They can do that. But 
Tua is leading the league in touchdown percentage, quarterback rating, QBR, third down quarterback rating, 147 on third downs, the highest rate we've ever seen since 1991. Yards per attempt, yards per completion, air yards per attempt. And you watch him and you go, eh. Mm-hmm. And yet, he's clearly operating this offense at a high level. It would, I would be stunned to see what this offense would look like with a Justin Herbert or a Josh Allen just substituting in for him. But what makes him so effective, and how is this offense working despite what's obvious on tape, which are the physical limitations of his arm? Yeah, and even with – and I was just doing an uh, interview down in Miami with my ex-teammate, the great Cleveland Brown, Leroy Horde, down there, and we were talking about arm strength. And when I was playing quarterback in Leroy, it was the end of my career, the beginning of Leroy's, and I my arm strength was deteriorating at times. And it looked like, and, and Tua is um, doesn't have the arm strength that the Justin Aberts, the the Josh Allens have right now, but he does have that awesome ability to throw quickness with timing um, and in stride that intermediate pass from that 6 to 18 yards and what he's able to do with um, his, his, his ball mechanics, with his placement of, of, of his eyes where he's able to uh, do the play action fakes but yet still keep his eyes downfield to understand what that RPO read is going to be to be able to make that determination whether it should be a run or pass. He's making really exceptional quick speed and then but his ability, though, even though his arm stuff may be lacking, he makes up for it with his intelligence and his accuracy. Man, he's hitting guys right on stride um, yep. to, to where the, the rack run after a catch has been phenomenal. And, 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 as, and I say this somewhat of admiration and, and somewhat in seriousness of where the league's going, but even with his arm strength, he throws the ball and he's hit a couple post routes. He's hit a couple 50-yard throws down the field this year to keep defenses honest. And actually, yeah, because he has some of the same medical doctors that, that I had back in the old days, he even did a couple of those when he was concussed afterwards. So for him to be able to have that resiliency, have that toughness, and then almost like the old Jimmy Johnson line, uh, somehow, some way, two of somehow, some way, finds a way to make plays and um, I enjoy I'm enjoying watching him play I hope I hope he has a couple bumps in the bumps in his game this week because um, he has had a tendency in some of these some of these RPOs to at times throw the ball you know throw a couple plays a game where he misreads it and maybe gives you an opportunity to make a, a have an interception and you know Denzel Ward hopefully he's going to be back this week to have our third corner would be a nice uh, would be a a big help for us because the Dolphins aren't running the ball as good they're they're doing the RPOs but they look to be doing the RPOs to be able to get the throws so having Denzel back would I think would be a big help towards trying to slow down that Dolphin offense. Bernie, we oftentimes will ask you to uh, put on your offensive hat and just steal your offensive acumen, which is elite. Uh, I want to flip it. If if you're Joe Woods and you're dealing with these two in this scheme and a quarterback like Tua who processes pretty quick and gets it out pretty quick, and we have our full complement of, of, of corners and defensive backs, what's what's the antidote to what this Dolphins team is? Well, I think the, the one thing you saw last week is they're going to make their plays – but don't let them make don't don't break down on your defense and stuff. So like when 
Tua gets outside the pocket. When he's able to ad lib, he's 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 really dangerous and stuff. When they're able, when when we're not in our our, our rut gaps and stuff, you're not in the linebackers um, take the cheese on the RPOs, and you're not getting your depth, you're not getting your drop. So it's really imperative this week. We we talked at nauseum early in the year about communication issues and communication breakdowns. Mike McDaniels will try to come up with some things to challenge us in the communication side of it. So obviously you want to get pressure on them, but you really want to be sound and fundamental and, and limit your limit your your mental mistakes, your MEs in a game like this with this with this type of talent talent that you're playing against. All right, Bernie. And how about this knowledge? What does this say to you about the quarterback, the offensive system, and maybe a way to try to stop him? Is that you look at Tua's passes, 12,000 and I'm sorry, 1,230 of his yards, roughly about two thirds of his passing yards come on throws between the numbers, which is one of the highest rates oh, in the Nathan. league. Oh, Nathan. Yeah. Bring it on, Nathan. I, Living I in the so middle of the field, thing. which is, it, you'd feel like it's a dangerous thing to do. So, how do we stop that? So. So absolutely, we used to talk about this last year when we talked about bad weather, windy games in our Cleveland Stadium and stuff, is you pack it inside the numbers and you absolutely squat and play off outside and you don't let them have, you don't let them have those easy throws in the middle and you almost force you force those deep comeback throws, those 18, those 16-yard comebacks and God bless if you could make a make a steady diet of hitting those and typically when you look at film of any team but it, the dolphins in particular um their throws are there's an inordinate disproportionate amount in between the numbers and almost no deep throws when the corner's off and outside so you know you're probably 99 percent of the time not going to get a deep throw over your head so you're able to squat outside and funnel everything inside and don't give him those easy throws and they're absolutely right on point Nathan. i like that yeah there you go i i wanted to touch on something else for you because uh you know we had we had the trade deadline last week um and we had kareem hunt stay here we had nick chubb say today how important it was uh, to him, that Kareem Hunt was still a member of this team. Uh, I've seen some of your comments about it as well. I'm a. I just think he's one of the Pied Pipers of this team, and I think that this is obviously uphill. Like our record is what the record is, but I think he can be an emotional fuel for this team down the stretch. What do you like about Kareem and his game, and how do we take even more advantage of his skills here in the second half? Yeah, Bo, you're juicing me up with all kinds of emotion and goosebumps here as you're asking a question. You know, not only. Did we have a, the? Um, were we talking at this point a couple weeks ago about the importance of winning that Cincinnati game to be three and five in the bye week, not two and six, to to have hope, to have that um, opportunity of the playoffs, albeit it's still a long shot. At three and five is still an opportunity. At two and six, it would not have been. So to have that uh, win and then to have Kareem. You know, he touched the ball for, I think, 11 times for, um, he had 71 total yards of offense. And he, he, the emotional uh, lift that he brings on the field in the locker room, I can't discount that. I absolutely love it. And then the physical abilities that he brings on the field, it, it's special. And for the second half of the year, that combination of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and um, Kareem being in, um, 
being used in the uh, being used offensively more is absolutely, I think, what Coach Stefanski wants to be doing, and his his um, his leadership and and his violence that he runs. That the end of the yeah. at the end of the year, the physicalness of our team is, I think, is what's going to carry us in, in December and stuff. And Kareem Hunt, his physical way he runs the ball, the physical way that he, he uh, punishes defenses when he's in that second level, that, that that's not only does it wear down other defenses, it emotionally lifts up our young football team. I think it's a phenomenal. Bernie, I want to go back to picking your great brain again as it relates to offensive football. And I don't, Do you ever watch the Manning cast, Bernie? No, I love it, yes. It's yeah. great, right? And so I thought it was cool that Kirk Cousins went on there, who's right now leading, a, what are they, 7-1 and one Minnesota yeah. Vikings team. And he had a question for Peyton as they went to a break. We're seeing a higher utilization of cover zero pressures in the NFL this year. And he asked Peyton and Eli, well, what's your answer to that? What did you want to do when you saw cover zero? And we saw last week against the Bengals, cover zero gave us a problem. We had a turnover as a result of cover zero. We didn't have enough people to pick it up. And then I go and I look in my preparation. Wouldn't you know, Miami, cover zero. They blitz a cover all-out blitz on 10.2% of their snaps, second most in the NFL in terms of pass snaps. They blitz 37% on all plays, third most in the NFL. So, Bernie, what is the answer? Because when you put on tape, we struggled with this. This is something Miami does. You know we're going to see it this week. What's the answer? Uh I'm thinking I'm not trying to make this about myself, but I'm thinking if I don't want to um, bless me, Father, for I'm about to sin, I had to retire when they stopped blitzing me for cover zero. Um, The old school quarterbacks lived for cover zero. used to get that about six to ten snaps a game, and I would almost want to play around for the other 50 snaps waiting for those six to ten snaps to be able to take a shot and try to score. And one of the, I think, issues, and this is probably good for the long-term health of players, is in the old days you used to practice against blitz drill day in and day out. You would get that zero-cover blitz on Wednesday in practice, Thursday in practice. You'd do it live. You would block it live. You would you would um, um, do every simulate game activity just like it was um, uh, on Sunday, and you would practice that. You don't really get to practice that much live blitz pickups these days, and teams aren't doing it as much. And then without as many of the audibles, or some teams look at it as something just to get by as opposed to punishing the hell out of teams that do that. And when you see a team that has a – 10% zero blitz um, ratio and actually digging a little deeper into it. They tend to want to do those those zero blitzes as they're crossing the 50-yard line and as they are in second and longer situations also. Man, those are teams where you really got to punish them. The Bengals also showed that they have a tendency to do zero blitzes, so we would have prepared yeah. for them before that game. Unfortunately, we did not handle it well, so that that turned into the turnovers and a couple of bad plays within the game. The Dolphins are for sure going to be seeing that. They're going to definitely test us on it. And this is the pro. As Coach Stefanski did that, uh, we had the bye week. 
there's no doubt that we practiced against that, and there will be a plan to take to take advantage of that because of, you hit it right on the Nathan. They do it too much, not for it to show up on the statistical breakdowns of it, and then because we've struggled against it, um, in particular in our last game on Monday Night Football. Um, I know we'll have a good plan for that. We'll have to anticipate it. And just like I'm getting elevated and emotionally excited thinking about a zero blitz, I have a feeling Jacoby and our offense and our offensive staff will come up with a plan anticipating it and try to make them really pay for some pay for it. What did you like to throw out of that? Did you like to just take your best one-on-one matchup and just throw a, a go ball to him? Did you like to have like a little pick play on the outside where you could get a quick hitter on an inward breaking route or an outward breaking route, depending on which side of the pick you like better? What did you like to throw when you knew that was coming? And also to protect in the event that if they dropped out of it, if they were just showing it, a simulated pressure and dropped out of it, that you wouldn't be throwing into their droppers. Yeah, great question. So I absolutely would say I want to throw it outside and throw it to the takeoff. But really, when you have zero coverage and you have, like I love to have two backs and or my tight end in the game to have them blocking because you have the opportunity to block up seven or eight guys and pick up the blitz. But one of the inherently risky things to do is if you have two to three receivers to a side and – I would want to throw the post to the inside receiver. You're throwing to a slot receiver where the defensive back slash safety has to cover him all over the field because typically it's when you get a secondary blitz, the safety is coming down to cover, number two or number three. Well, that's sometimes a safety on your, your second wide receiver and stuff. So that's typically a matchup where your receiver is faster. Um, if it was blitz, if it was press coverage, 11 up um, and a zero blitz look, Nathan, um, I'm not saying this to be funny. 100% of the time in my entire career, 100% of the time, I would check to an audible and punish them to try to throw the post in the middle of the field. I love it. I mean, literally, I mean, literally, uh, I did it too much to where the last couple of years of my career, I got, I got zero, zero blitzes and had to retire. I, I couldn't be successful <laughs> That's it. without that coverage. I had to go get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie, we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, I saw you retweeted this. I saw the memory from November 7th. Uh, drawn up in the dirt, the yes. final play, uh, your pass, a 38-day touchdown pass against the Broncos. Um, what what could what do you remember now that you look back on that all these years later? What drawn up in the dirt was it really? What can you tell us about that huddle, the play, and the immediate aftermath? Wow, it doesn't seem like 29 years ago that that, that happened. But and it it was funny because we had back then we say the joke that we had a green grass, natural grass back then, but it really was it really was mud and dirt that was spray painted <laughs> green. So you had you had the infield, you had mud, you had stuff where you can get on on your knee and just like a little boy, you could draw plays, you could draw on the dirt and stuff and and I knew I was I knew I had been changing plays. I knew that Coach Belichick sometimes didn't like it. And I knew though that I had to be successful with it. And we had never run uh, the uh, the Denver Broncos back then. They had really aggressive safeties. Um Dennis Smith and Steve Atwater, and they really hit the deep. They hit the, they hit the receivers a lot, almost like our defensive backs 
need to do to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle this week. Pressure, hit him, hit him, get real physical with him. Well, those safeties were doing that to us. So I had never run uh, I'd never run a square in takeoff, not even in practice. So basically run down 16 yards, run a square in, cut across the field. Well, that's a basic play that they've been running since the beginning of football. Well, the, the uh, Smith and Atwater kept pressing up, so I, uh, I knew I wanted them to run a square and takeoff. And because we had never done it, didn't want them to make. I didn't. I wanted to make sure he really understood what I was saying. And I looked in his eyes, and it had kind of that glassy uh, look, like he didn't understand. So I'm like, hell with it. I know I'm going to get in trouble. I better get down and draw it up and stuff. So <laughs> to have it go and then work perfect for a touchdown, I was coming off the field and and uh, Bill was yelling and I kind of thought he was joking. So I kind of blew it off. But obviously, <laughs> by getting called into the office the next day and then two days later being on a plane to Dallas, so he wasn't joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just an unbelievable. I absolutely love it. Uh, love talking to you, buddy. Thank you. Go ahead, go ahead, Bird. Uh, I'm glad. I'm, I said I'm glad I ended up with a Super Bowl ring. And, and exactly. And you know, one of the hidden blessings of it was um, the team ended up going a couple years later. So not having to really make that decision to go to Baltimore yeah. and stuff. So the the fate of it all. It's really it was kind of eerie to see that that clip come up. Uh, up and this be the be the anniversary of it this week oh that's great great love talking to you brother thank you so much yes. for your time you matter guys go browns all right the great bernie kozar joining us on the twisted tea hotline there's nothing quite like tailgating touchdowns and twisted tea it tastes just like real iced tea you know why because it is it's made with real brewed iced tea cool refreshing and a five percent kick of alcohol it's third down and goal twisted tea Hard iced tea. Keep it twisted. Coming up next, our Chief Strategy Officer, Paul DePodesta, joins the program. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. For a team of injury lawyers dedicated to every client every day, call 1-800-ELK-OHIO. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Now let's head again back out on the Twisted Tea hotline. Luminary after Luminary. Twisted Tea, hard iced tea, an official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it Twisted Cleveland. Our chief strategy officer, Paul D. Podesta, joining the show. Paul, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, Nathan and I, you know, with the bye week, we got away, a little five-star resort, went down to the Caribbean, played a lot of golf. I assume that that's the same for you guys, right? I mean, you guys didn't do anything, right? Just chilled? Uh, that's not exactly what we did, but it sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> a little more work for the folks, for the folks though, out there, we kid, obviously, uh, neither one of us were that we were grinding, no. grinding on, on trying Always. to make this show perfect and looking at every angle at it. And I imagine you guys are doing the same when a bye week happens and it's timed in the middle of the season, the way this one is, uh, is it, is the process the same year in and year out? What gets done during this week for you guys? What's job one? Sure. You know, I'll, I'll go back actually to 2020, which was our first sort of bye week with the current you know group we have with the coaching staff, and they they really wanted to dive in, and it was also right in the middle of the season, uh, so it lined up well. They really wanted to dive into you know the the first eight games or so and and ask you know, some very basic questions. Hey, what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? What adjustments can we make? What are some things we can lean on? You know, more going in the second half, et cetera, and. 
I think that week ended up being really dynamic for us, to be honest. We, we made, you know, a handful of changes. There were a number of things that we identified uh, that we were then able to, um, you know, implement, you know, going forward, and it made a significant difference for us down the stretch. Last year, you know, was a little different. We didn't have the bye week until much later in the season. Uh, yep. What was it, week, what, 12 or 13? Or, um, so we couldn't really follow. We couldn't wait that long. Right. So uh, this year, as a consequence, we've actually been um, sort of doing our, our that same analysis we would normally do at the bye week. We've been doing now every week since about week four. I mean, w- once you have a meaningful amount of data, you know, in, in all three phases, you, know, you can start looking at those things and say, OK, what are some early trends in terms of what we're doing well and what we're not? Um, but we had already started implementing a couple of changes the last few weeks. So while this week was certainly busy, just like every other bye week, uh, and also giving us a chance to dive a little bit deeper than we would normally be able to do uh, when we have a game coming up that weekend, um, you know, we we got sort of a jump start on it this year. Um, so I, I think there's some there are going to be some good things coming out of this week uh, that'll help us here in the second half of the year. But um, hopefully, we've already seen you know a glimpse of some of those things in the last couple of weeks. Paul, let's let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Where if you know I had told you through eight games with Jacoby at quarterback, we would be the number five uh, total or number four. I'm sorry, total offense, the number seven scoring offense in the NFL. Would that have surprised you? Or and what do you make of the performance of this offense under some difficult circumstances? Yeah, disappointed we wouldn't we wouldn't be in the top three. Yeah, uh, you know, if you yeah, told me that at the beginning. <laughs> uh, no, look, I, you know, I know Kevin said it all along, uh, and we said it, but we, we had a ton of confidence in Jacoby and really felt yep. like he was a, a great fit for our scheme. Um, also, just in terms of his sort of leadership ability, his play style, uh, we just really felt it fit with what we were going to be trying to do. So uh, I don't know that any of us would have predicted we would have done that well, especially right out of the gate, but you know, certainly very happy with it. Um, and while I would, I'd hesitate to say surprise, because again, I think internally we had pretty high expectations for what we were able, what we would be able to do. Um, but uh, I think we feel at least gratified that we're kind of on course. And, and when we look at it, you know, as we did these last handful of weeks and certainly that over last week in the bye, there's more we can do. Uh, we feel like there's, there's more there uh, that, that we can uh, that we can squeeze out of the offense at this point, despite the fact that they've been, you know, very productive to date. When you looked at the trade deadline trades that were made, when you looked at some of the trades that were made in the preseason, and I'm talking specifically about Amari Cooper and at the wide receiver position, are you guys kind of stunned that you actually were able to get Amari Cooper for the compensation that you did and that, Somehow it happened, and he's come here, and he is absolutely thriving. Our leading receiver on pace for a sixth one thousand yard season. Yeah, Amari's played great, and he's really been the staple. Um, you know, certainly on the outside of our passing game. Although all the guys have played well, I think Donovan's you know stepped been up excellent. and played really well this year, also. Um, yeah. But Amari certainly has been fundamental to our to our success. Um, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about throughout the year when we were talking about roster building is just optionality, right? Whenever there's a good player available, you, you know, you want to jump on, you feel like, Oh, we can't miss this opportunity. And we're always doing our diligence on every single one of these, even the you know deals that happened two weeks ago at the trading deadline, we were doing the same. Uh, but then we always have to remind ourselves that we don't know 
what else is going to be available to us around the corner, <laughs> right? So if you had asked us at this time last year, um, you know, do you think uh, there's a chance that Amari Cooper will be a Brown in 2022? We said, well, that seems highly unlikely. <laughs> you sure. know, we, we wouldn't have envisioned <laughs> him as a, as a natural fit. I mean, you're naturally what you're doing is you're looking at the draft, you're looking at upcoming free agents, you know, things like that, but you never know. Uh, you never know what might come available. So I think we investigate all those opportunities as they come up and, and try, try to be opportunistic, um, you know, but, uh, and, and be in a position to be able to jump on those, which we were, I mean, it's part of the reason we, you know, are, are so diligent about having the cap space that we do so that we can take advantage of those opportunities when they do arise. And uh, we oh. were able to do that with Amart. And uh, so far it's really paid off. Yeah, it really has. It's been incredible both on the field and off. Paul, I wanted to ask you about, uh, go back a couple of weeks ago to the trade deadline, and uh, A.B. mentioned close on a guy, and obviously you're not going to tell us who you were on or probably even the position or anything for that matter. But, but if, you'd like for, to, but if you'd like I'm to, more curious. Well, curious. Just for the position, my hunch is no. <laughs> um, but but I, my question was going to be more along the lines of, there were some enormous deals that were made this year at the deadline. And as we sit here, the deadline, as you mentioned, was two weeks ago. And here we are. We're right now at the halfway point of the season. Would, would you be an advocate of backing that thing up a bit and getting it a couple weeks further into the season than when it hits? It feels to us that maybe it hits a little early. Where do you stand on that? And how active was this year's deadline from your guys' vantage point in terms of everybody being on the phones and trying to make get things done? So I'll, I'll take the last one first. I mean, it certainly seems like uh, the league was more transactional, you know, this year than they have in the past. And I think that's ramped up uh, over time. I mean, just in my seven years, uh, there have been some years that have been very, very quiet with little or no activity, uh, certainly no big names, you know, changing teams. But this year, that was not the case. Uh, obviously, quite a few bigger deals that happened. In terms of the timing, you know, I have a different – maybe a slightly different perspective on this because of all my years in baseball. And we, we moved the deadline around in baseball uh, as well. And I think, you know, you, you want to find that sweet spot where, you know, maybe enough teams have been able to identify if they're in it or not, um, whether or not they're sort of willing to make that extra step to go for it. But at the same, and, and you can't have it so early that nobody wants to move anybody. You also can't right. have it so late that every team that, you know, is a game under 500 is just dumping their players, um, you know, and, and then it totally shifts to all the teams that happen to be a game over 500 you know, or better, mm -hmm. um, and they're just sort of sucking up all the pending free agents or whatever. So that, that's not great either. Um, I don't know exactly what that sweet spot is. Um, it, it might be a, a touch later than what it is right now, but you do have to be a little careful about the – sort of unintended consequences of moving around too much. The one other thing in football that's quite different, you know, in baseball, uh, we had a we had one instance where we traded for a reliever and he was playing for the team that we were facing. He literally walked across the hall and came into our clubhouse <laughs> and changed uniforms and pitched for us. You know, that you know, right away. There was no there's not much more that has to go into it. Hey, they have to pitch, they have to hit. Um, but you know, there's not there's not a whole lot beyond that. In football, you have to learn a new playbook. Uh, yeah. You have to learn what it's like to uh, play alongside all the other guys you're with, whether you're an offensive lineman, whether you're a receiver with a quarterback, whether you're a DB, uh, and having to communicate with the rest of the, the DBs. Uh, it's just different. You know, I was super impressed with what the Vikings were able to do with 
TJ Hawkinson this weekend to get him up to speed and have him play yeah. as much as he did and play such a significant role. But that's really rare. You know, I mean, oftentimes it takes at least a couple weeks uh, to sort of onboard a new player in the NFL, uh, almost regardless of position. Um, some will take a little longer than others. Um, so, again, if you move the deadline back too late, you know, some of these guys uh, may barely play for you, you know, in the regular season because it, it's just not practical to, you know, to, to get them up to speed. Yeah, it's like Jeff Wilson last week, who we'll see this week going and staying, and he knew Mike McDaniel, he knew this offense, so he didn't have to learn much, but made an impact, hit the ground running, to say the least. Um, let's talk for a second about, you know, defensively. You mentioned some changes have been made. I would imagine some of them were on the defense, where I think we've turned in back-to-back incredibly good performances, winning performances, and no, unfortunately, it wasn't that way since week one, but what were maybe some of the changes or what have you seen from the defense that has led to some of the big improvements we've seen against the Ravens and the Bengals? Uh, well, you know, the Ravens, it's just such a unique matchup. You yep. know, every day you, you don't prepare for them the way you prepare for anyone else. So that's sort of a standalone, but obviously we, we get to face them twice a year. I think our staff now has a good feel for uh, what we try to do against them. Um, you know, and I think we've, you know, gotten more successful here as they've gained more experience against that offense, which is, you know, which is really brilliantly designed. Um, but that was great to see, and I think it gave our guys some confidence. Um, and then going into Cincinnati, I think we played our most sound, you know, game of the year, uh, most complete game of the year, uh, you know, defensively, which was great to see. You know, so much of it for us on defense, I think, is just um, having everybody on the same page. Uh, we know that when all 11 guys do their job, um, we're really good. You know, we're, we're really good. And uh, we just have to have that happen more often, <laughs> right? We're all, yeah. we're all 11 are, are doing that, doing their job. And that's, that's easier said than done. But, you know, early in the season, um, you know, we had some busts that really cost us. Those really went away after the first couple weeks. Um, and then I, I think as we've, been able to understand, you know, the different um, uh, the different concepts that we run more efficiently, where we have a better chance of all eleven guys sort of doing their job. Um, you know, I think uh, those are the things you're probably going to see more and more as the year goes on. Uh, but defense, more so than offense, is really is really uh, uh, you know opponent dependent, right? I mean, I already mentioned it with the Ravens. Uh, we we played a very different style when we played the Bengals. Um, probably see something different this coming weekend when we play the Dolphins. That, that's just the nature of it. I think we have to be multiple on defense and be able to respond to what the, uh, you know, what the offense is going to try to do to us. Paul, what, if anything, can you tell us about the plan on the return on Deshaun? Obviously, he's back in the building now, and we'll be back to practice next week or three more weeks without him and then the return. Um, and I'm sure some of that stuff you guys want to keep under wraps. But what, how did you come up with a plan on this return and integrating him back into the roster to have him ready for early December? Yeah, yeah I think the biggest thing was just having um, a lot of different people weigh in on that, including Deshaun. You know, this is an unusual circumstance of so just trying to figure out the best path forward. So whether it's from our strength and conditioning folks, uh, our you know, trainers, and even from an offensive coordinator perspective, uh, quarterback coach, like trying to figure out how do we – best uh sort of get him back on board and and make sure he's ready but at the same time you know jacoby's got to get ready to start and be miami and he's got to get ready to start and be buffalo and you know etc so um you know that has to be our focus as well 
Um, so we're just trying to figure out the best way to do that. We're um, hopefully get the best of both worlds where, you know, Jacoby gets all the reps he needs, but we also begin to, you know, ramp Deshaun up once he returns to practice, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks to, you know, get him in a position uh, where he's ready to play, you know, when the, when the time comes. Yeah, and hopefully we as a team can put ourselves in a position when the time comes that we are able to try to really make a run at this thing here in December and beyond. You mentioned the defensive game plans. They're different for every team. Well, just like in some ways one of one are the Baltimore Ravens, you might say so are the Miami Dolphins with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. We want to see if maybe you can help us out on our quest. Is this the fastest and most electric wide receiver duo of all time and just a raw speed standpoint of your top two receivers both being able to fly like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell? Uh, well, they probably have to be in the conversation. <laughs> you know, I haven't looked at it historically at all, but, uh, you know, they're certainly dynamic and, and uh, they're going to pressure, you know, pressure any defense they're up against. Um, and, and they make you defend everything. I mean, they're going to throw yep. screens behind the line of scrimmage. They're also going to throw the ball, you know, 30 yards down the field and everywhere in between. So, um, you know, they, they really like to stress the defense. Um, it's a lot of play action, you know, which they do extremely well, which isn't a surprise with, you know, Coach McDaniel coming from, you know, San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan system. But, um, yeah, no, they're, they're, uh, they're a handful. You know, there, there's a reason they've put up, you know, as many points as they have. Um, they've got uh, a handful of dynamic players. Outside of turnovers, for all the people listening, what is the one thing that you will focus on the most on a week-to-week basis that if the Browns can take control of that, it will allow them to be the team that we want them to be this year in terms of wins and losses? Yeah, I mean, you know, we have – honestly, we have a bunch of proprietary metrics that – that I sure. won't share. I mean, there's one in particular that uh, that we tend to look at uh, that we really feel like drives uh, performance and really explains wins or losses um, as well as anything else. But I think one way to think about it uh, is big plays. And big plays, uh, uh, the way I use the term big plays may be a little different than what you're used to. So to me, big plays is not something where it's just, oh, you gained – 15 yards or more or 20 yards or more. Sometimes right. people have different definitions for a big play in the run game versus a big play in the pass game. Um, sure. It is some of the, those things are big plays, uh, but you mentioned turnovers. Turnovers are the biggest of the big plays. Um, yep. You know, there are, uh, you know, 58 yard field goals to win a game are big plays. <laughs> you know? Massive. Um, yeah. 40 yard punt returns are big plays. Um, converting a third and seven, is a big play. Uh, you know, converting a, you know, a fourth and one is a big play. So there, you know, even if you only gain the one yard, so they're all, you know, I think big plays, at least in our context, are all sort of shapes and sizes. Um, and if you can win those big plays, and maybe they're just the highest leverage plays in the game, but that, that's probably the best way to think about it. Um, you know, you're, you're going to win the game uh, by and large. I mean, there are, there are a lot of other plays that happen during the game, and it's not that those don't matter, um, but it's in those those highest leverage moments that if you can win more often than you lose, uh, you know you're typically going to come out on top. So you know Paul. we know you know playing playing really good situational football, you know whether it's in the red zone, whether it's on money downs, which is you know third and fourth down, you know those are the things that you know oftentimes really really drive winning and losing. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Yes. Appreciate you giving us the a best. little bit of it today. Thanks, pal. No problem. Thanks, guys.
All right, that's our Chief Strategy Officer, Paul D. Podesta, on the Twisted Tea Hotline. OBM, the official printer partner of your Cleveland Browns. When you depend on your Browns to win, you can always depend on OBM. They can tackle any size office. Call 216-485-2000. Visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. I have a theory on the Thursday night ratings. We have a Thursday nighter tomorrow night. Uh, have some reaction to that. You'll hear from Jacoby Brissett as well. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And the Bath Authority gives you that bathroom of your dreams in about a day, guys. You can transform that current bathroom you have into a custom bath for a spa-like experience. The Bath Authority makes it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler, expert factory trained installers. Call 500 bucks off right now at 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects, they're all made right here in America. You can change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. Again, guys, in about a day, superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com. 216, rather, 220 Nine nine on that. Now let's head to the podium and Jacoby Brissett. Oh, you bye week. It was good. It was good. No. It's kind of off that Jacoby. You have time to reflect and kind of look back. I know it's a weekend process, but it, this past week at all, did you have time to think about how well you really have played this first stretch of games? Um, and some self scout stuff and and stuff with the coaches, but. Uh, just really been like, honestly, I've just been looking forward to getting back out there and just playing again. I, I kind of hate bye weeks a little bit, so, <laughs> so yeah. And I can imagine because you are playing well. I mean, the team can play better, but when you're playing well, that itch to get out there is even Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, obviously we, we, we won a game uh, last time we were out there, and it's just like, man, just can't wait to go out there and try to get another one and, and get back to work. So, yeah. Jacoby, you were with the Dolphins last year. Their defense was a lot better with Brian Flores. What do you see out of them? Uh, I mean, I still see a really good defense. Uh, you know, a lot of the guys are back uh, and with more experience in this in this defense. Uh, you know, guys playing at a really high level. Obviously, they're winning a lot of games, and and uh, you know, they still got a lot of I think really playmaker style, game changing players. And uh, yeah, I think they're playing really well still. You didn't see much of Chubb in the last game. Expect to see a lot of oh, for sure. I mean, they paid him. They better pay, play him, right? <laughs> so I, w- I would think that he'll play a lot this game. What about the significance of you going back to Miami, not only you know, because of being there last year, but also just being from, back, from there and all I don't care. I just want to go win. Yeah, that's what my focus is. I'm not really into the other stuff. There's no Jacoby revenge game or anything? Uh, They didn't do anything wrong to me. So, I mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm a little too old to hold grudges that they did, but no, nah, it's not my style. Uh, I mean, obviously being a, like friends with him and, and uh, uh, you know, extremely happy the things that he's done. He's done uh, this year, and, and um, yeah, I, I think he's doing doing a really good job for what they're asking him to do. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully he doesn't do it on Sunday. Uh, well, I don't make expectations for people. I mean, he's just playing really good. So, yeah. Well, what uh, worked so well for you guys in, in that Bengals game? Uh, I think we uh, are just our, uh, I think we play really good complimentary football uh, in, in uh, all three phases. Uh, and I think we came out with, with the understanding of, uh, of the magnitude of that game. Um, I thought we 
you know, prepared well. well. Uh, and I think I, th I felt like a little different energy going out of the locker room into the stadium, like for the uh, first snap. And, uh, and it, it held true throughout uh, four quarters. And, and uh, I think we played a full 60-minute game. It was our first time, I think, of the year ending the game and taking the knee. And, uh, you know, that's huge to be able to do that in the NFL. Uh, so, yeah. When a team like the Dolphins scores so many points and always attacking through the air, is it easy to get caught up in that type of game? Do you, do you want rather control the game with your offense? Uh, I mean, the plan is to do whatever we got to do to score one more point than they do. Uh, however that however that comes, three to two, whatever it is. Uh, uh, I wouldn't, but uh, <laughs> but uh, whatever, you know, just to go out there and win a game. Whatever we need to do on offense to to win the game on our side of the ball, uh, I'm sure we're going to do it. And whatever we got to do on defense and special teams on that side of the ball, I think we'll do and um, play for 60 minutes. That's all it's going to really come down to. When you guys do yourself, Scott, from the first eight games, what were some of the things offensively that you said, hey, we did this well and we can do like even more of this in the final nine games? Well, if I tell you that now and they watch this <laughs> and then they get a scout report, but uh, I think it, 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 it showed of how much we've hurt ourselves uh, and how much we uh, have uh, stopped us from scoring uh, touchdowns and, and converting on third downs and, and big plays here and there. Uh, and I think that was the, the, the main key takeaway that I think we took. Why is carrying momentum from week to week, positive momentum week to week, so difficult on the Uh I mean, it's, it's the other team gets paid too, you know. Uh, I think there's so many good players in this league and good coaches and, and uh, obviously good schemes to where um, it, it makes it hard, you know. Uh, the good teams find a way to do it, but uh, it's definitely hard. And, and um, so you just got to find a way to do it in practice, you know, and just carry the momentum in practice and have a little bit more juice in practice, uh, have a little bit more focus, a little bit more attention to detail, and, and hopefully that translates to the game. People that you know that ask about Nick Chubb, what do you tell them? Uh, I, I sit there and think because I'm like, there's so many things I can tell you about him. Um, and the, the thing that it all comes back to is like, it's no surprise. You know, he, the way he works, the, I mean, not only the videos that people see that him lifting all these weights, but, you know, every day in practice, he's going to the touchdown, no matter how far we're back. He's running to the touchdown and running back for the next play um, to where his success is no surprise. Uh, his, his style of running is no surprise. The things that he can do is no surprise. Obviously, you can't take it for granted because it's sometimes it's unhuman-like, but uh, then when you get around and you're like, dang, man, like this is what NFL players should be. This is what a professional athlete should be. Uh, and he does it day in and day out, no matter the circumstances. He's just, he's just that guy that you want in your locker room. How much, um, what's Amari meant to you, and, and how much better of a quarterback has he made you? Uh, I mean, a lot. I mean, his, his uh, when you talk about guys that understand football and, and, and hard work and smart and guys that you want in your locker room and, and you listen to him talk about, hey, man, this is what I'm thinking, like, in the realm of the plan. Uh, this is what this DB did versus me last time or or this, this thing and that. Uh, you know, he's opened my eyes to so many like different things of, of, of trust and and, um, and things of that nature. That uh, the things that he does is, is incredible. And um, you know, obviously fortunate to have him on the team and, and you know have him a part of my uh, career. 
And uh, so, yeah, just looking to make more plays. Uh, no, I didn't see him after the game, uh, emotional or whatever. Um, so, looks the same to me. Uh I think the, the, the main thing that coach said was this is what it could look like if we if we do this consistently, you know, and, and I think players understood that and I think guys really looked at it as wow, like that is right. Like we did do this right. We did correct this from the week before or the week before that. Uh, and this is how it all comes together. Um, because all of our plans kind of play off each other. Like what we do on offense is predicated on what the defense thinks and stuff like that and special teams so so forth. So uh, I think guys kind of saw it all come to fruition. And, uh, you know, hopefully just doing that again. Jacoby, you talked about, uh, you talked about um, the fact that you guys imposed your will um, in the middle of that during the Venice game. And my question is, so, like, how do you do that again? How do you get yourselves in that place where you can do that? Uh, I think it's, it's finding the spot. Uh, it's always a spot in the game where either the offense or the defense imposes their will, and it's, it kind of is the turning point, quote unquote, of the game. And um, in the middle of that game, like I said, like I felt like we started to impose our will and started to do things at our at our leisure. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's the for one, you got to be able to get to that that uh, point in the game. But um, and it's it maybe it's the first play of the first start the start of the game. Maybe it's the, the second half. It's, it's you never know when it's gonna come. That's the, the crazy part. It's just like you never know when that play is gonna be the spark. You know. When you talk about the magnitude of that Bengals game, um, the fact you won it the way you guys won it, is that like is there a lot more hope and optimism heading into the second half of the season? Because uh, of I don't think it's hope. I think it's just more of like understanding. Um, like, listen, we got the whole season ahead of us. We got a big game coming up this Sunday. Let's go try and do the same thing again, you know, uh, and play good football in all three phases of the game. Um, and then at the end of the game, see where we're at. Jacoby, for as much as Amari has meant to this offense in the past game, I mean, Donovan, too, just seems to have that tendency to make big catches. I mean, how much does that help you as a uh, it's, the flow? Uh, it, just, it just makes you want to give them more, you know, and it's, it's uh, uh, I think, like, like Donovan is just like, he's just so quiet. I mean, him and Amari are kind of like the same, like they don't talk like, um, and you look up and you're like, dang, like Donovan had 80 yards. Like he almost had a hundred yards, you know, it's just like, and he's making big catch after big catch after big catch. And, um, you know, it dates back to like the first game of the season. Like I'm, I just always think of that big third down catch that he had, like and the ball was behind him and just catches with his hands, plucks it out of the air. He just has done that for us all year, you know, and obviously finding ways to, to get him more involved and, and get him more balls. But, uh, you know, he's, he's I think he's been playing really well. So, I mean, Like you said, demeanor-wise, him and Amari are pretty similar. I know David doesn't talk a lot. I mean, oh, yeah, NFL, it's literally all of them are the same. It's in, crazy. In the NFL, I mean, receivers are a pretty mercurial kind of big personality. Yeah. To have a room of guys who aren't that, just what's that like? Uh, it's, it's different for sure. Uh, but I, I, they find their ways to – to give me like subtle jabs where I kind of understand their personalities. Uh, but to have all three of them not talk is kind of bizarre. How about the younger guys? Do you feel like um, you know, the upside is really good the second half of the season for David Bell? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, for those guys to be able to, hey, look, let's see what I've done in practice training camp. 
I mean, they've been going since last year's season. You know, the bye week was probably their first little break uh, and, and see where, you know, they fit in, where we fit them in in the offense and, and see the plays that, you know, we're, we're asking them to make. And um, the good thing, obviously, David Bell's getting more. He has got more of the player time and has made more of the plays for, from those two. Uh, but uh, just continuing ways to, to grow and help them help them out. And, and um, I, I think they're becoming more professional to where they understand it they're themselves and uh, excited for them. That dude's been everything the doctor ordered on and off the field. Great leader. Love hearing him talk. Lots of insight on the football team. He's awesome. Uh, I, I love Jacoby Brissett. I love yep. seeing him succeed. I, I hope that he is in this capacity with us for a long time. I'd love when, it. If we need him, you know, hopefully Deshaun Watson's going to come in and be exactly what the Browns expected him to be or what he was the last time we saw him play football. But Jacoby Brissett is a backup that feels to be a backup of great consequence and one who fits what we do so well. This from a um, couple of things NFL-wise of, of relative no, big note. Uh, Josh Allen day-to-day. Uh, McDermott playing some games. We'll see if he plays. I saw Orlovsky this morning saying, I think he's going to sit. They have to take care of him. Remember, we play them in two the weeks. The week after. That's yeah, right. So theoretically, it could be Case Keenum against Minnesota. And then a Case Keenum revenge tour. Case Keenum against Minnesota. Oh. Case Keenum against the Browns. That's true. A little revenge tour potentially there. Uh, Maybe Jim, they play Denver the week after that. Case Keenum against could, Denver. There's a lot of them. Uh, Jim Irsay to Bob Kravitz of the Athletic. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, about this is, the idea. He's, talking, he's talking to me specifically. Directly. He might as well be saying, Bo, yeah. that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard that we're tanking. Or telling Bob Kravitz on Tuesday Bo? night. That's BS, except he actually <laughs> said it. We're in this thing, 9-7-1 and one, to get us in. No question about it. We're not tanking this season. Whoever says these things Bo. that we're not playing Matt because of an effort, that's all BS. Of course, he said it. That's not true. We're going to do what it takes to win. I don't know who people think we are. They don't know us. We don't tank. In Indianapolis, Bo Bishop. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. You did the other time. I think you're doing Curtis it right Painter. now. Curtis I think you're doing Painter, it right yeah, now, and I think right. you did it then. Yeah. I think it worked. Well. Yeah, yeah it that's, worked. He, one thing he said in that was true, I know how to build teams, and it's get lucky and get Peyton Manning and then get yourself in position to get Andrew Luck, and now they're going to try and do it again. Yeah. And by the way, he pulls it off. Tip of the cap. One other little news note. Yep. Can't wait for tomorrow from John Kime. The D.C. Attorney General's oh, Office emailed reporters regarding a press conference tomorrow where Attorney General Carl Racine will make a major announcement related to the Washington commander. Uh, th- th- there was no coincidence about any of this. Ursay's nope. comments, this. this Ursay knew. Ursay knew this stuff from last week. All of a sudden we're selling the team and now indictments. Yeah, this, this all adds up. He, there was no way Snyder was selling that team unless it became impossible to keep it. Browns fans, you can enter for a chance to win season tickets for the 2023 season from Sugardale and your local Meyer. Two lucky fans will have a chance to compete on the field during halftime, November 27th, for the ultimate prize. Text Browns to 55678 to enter today. We will meet the Miami Dolphins coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
And be part of one of the most passionate fan base in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance of securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Real quick before we meet the Dolphins, uh, my theory on Thursday Night Football. So the ratings are down uh, in general compared to last year where it was split between the network and NFL versus Amazon streaming. It's on streaming. Of course. Um, but I think what you can see when you look at the ratings is a direct correlation. Like, when it was on network and it was on NFL network, you would, could stumble into it. There are a lot of people who still look at a guide. And, sure. Oh, NFL football, boom. If these games aren't good, no one's watching. For example, last week was 7.9 million. That's paltry. So do you think Amazon's NFL. pissed? I don't know. 7.8 was Cardinals Saints, so that's not a great game. Yet their high, moder- high water marks, Chiefs and Chargers, was 13. Uh, Bengals and, and Dolphins was 11.7. So they're down to network regardless. But it's almost a 2 million difference. So you've got three weeks ago it was Cardinals Saints at 7.8. 10 million on Baltimore, Tampa Bay. 7.9 on Eagles and Texans. If it's bad, no one's, you're not seeking it out. In the old days, if it was bad, you might stumble in for a little bit because sure. you're bouncing around. And that's the difference. It's on your channels. I mean, even like, and I think that going to just an app affects obviously a certain demographic that is not as technologically yeah, savvy. But no like, question. For example, you know, Pedro's in town, not Pedro, and he he can work his setup. But like, am I? He's like, I couldn't get from app to app on your TV, and they're literally all right there. But if it's not the interface you're used yeah. to, it doesn't matter. You can't. You don't know what you're looking at. They, you know. So it's. I think it's hard to find that game for people who are not as technologically savvy and you're not going to stumble into it unless you're on the Amazon, you click on the Amazon Prime app, or yeah. if you have like, like my Sony smart TV on Thursday nights, the top banner Same. is Amazon Prime. So you can just one click right into it without going into the app. But if depending, you, know, you could have an older one. Some people run it through an Xbox. Some people run it through, you know, their game console or they'll run it through Roku's like a, a Roku and like yeah. it, it's not, might not be, that easy to view. You don't have to click on to Amazon Prime Video and then get in there. Well said. All right, let's meet the Dolphins, buddy. Six and three on the season, tied for second in the East. Yeah, six and three on the season. They have won three in a row. They uh, have scored 30 points in back-to-back games. Two has thrown for more than 300 yards with three touchdowns and no interceptions in back-to-back games. Quarterback rating has been over 130 in back-to-back games. They are 6-0 and in games started and finished by Tua. Tyreek Hill leads the NFL in receiving. In fact, it's the most receiving yards anybody has ever had through the first nine games of the season, 1,104 on pace for an NFL record, 2,085 yards. will be the first person ever to surpass the 2,000 mark. Megatron back uh, in had 16 games at 1964. So Megatron's per game pace actually that year was higher that season. It's already got five games of 140. He's number one in the league. Oh, yeah, Jalen Waddle. He's fifth in the NFL with 812 yards, six touchdowns of his own. Among the top 30 receivers in terms of yardage, he's at 17.3 yards a carry. That is the most. Uh, he himself, 80-plus in four straight games. He's got 408 and three touchdowns the last four. Uh, you look at the last four for Tyreek Hill, he's got 580. So doing quick math really quick here. In the last four games alone, they have combined for 988 yards and four touchdowns. 988 yards. 
two people. They go out, they trade for Jeff Wilson, and we were Depot was talking earlier about how tough it is to come in. Jeff Wilson in his Miami debut played two more snaps than Raheem Mostert. He played 28 to his 26. He outrushed him nine times for 51 yards, 5.7 to carry, three catches, 21 yards, and a touchdown, a 10-yarder there. He's going to be a stud, so they can run it. They can throw it. Gasicki, who is down this year, 22 catches, 238 yards, and four touchdowns. This is a guy who they signed to the franchise tax. who's coming off of back-to-back seasons of over 700 yards in 20 and 21. So that's who they are on offense. Tua, as we've said, leads the NFL in touchdown percentage, uh, quarterback rating, QBR, yards per attempt, yards per completion, air yards per attempt, third down quarterback rating. He is on the season, 70% passer, 1,980 yards, 15 touchdowns, only three picks. The last two weeks, 300-plus, three-plus touchdowns, 135-plus rating, no interceptions. He hasn't been sacked in two of the last three games. Now, one little interesting bit, in his, he's got 12 of his touchdowns have come in three games, six against Baltimore, three the last two weeks, three touchdowns in the other four games. Now, really three and a, a quarter game because he got knocked out against Cincinnati, so we have to hope for that. Their line, they went out and they got Teron Armstead, who's the number 20 tackle at Pro Football Focus, a three-time Pro Bowler. They brought in Connor Williams, who was the number four center at Pro Football Focus, who was a former second-round pick of Dallas. Um, and so their line, some new starters there. And then defensively, you know, Christian Wilkins, the former first round out of Clemson, is a beast up front in the middle. They've got Emmanuel Ogba. they got Jalen Phillips, who had eight and a half sacks last year. They just traded for Bradley Chubb. Melvin Ingram was the AFC Defensive Player of the Month for September. They brought He's there. Uh, they've got some linebackers in a Landon Roberts and Jerome Baker who run around. they got Xavier Howard, who was a Pro Bowl corner, who has the most interceptions in the league uh, over the last few years. Javon Holland is an excellent safety. They're good at all three levels. But you can score the football on this team. Their number two corner, Cater Kohu, is an undrafted free agent out of Texas A&M Commerce. You have an opportunity to get at him. So that's who they are. Complete team, well-coached, well-executed, fun to watch on offense. Hold on to your seats. Going to be a fun one. Rumkey Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join as a customer or employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumkey.com to learn more. So much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And catch the Browns preview show tonight from 7 to 8 on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Linebacker Sione Takitaki, the voice of the Browns, Jim Donovan, joined Ken and Gerard on the program tonight on oh, Thursday's baby. show. Loaded up. Amari will be on. Armando Salguero, who I enjoy thoroughly. Yes, sir. Yep. I'm just excited. Oh, I thought maybe you had some. No, I, just, I thought you were very. I thought there was something else. I just yeah. have a great. It's uh, a nice. I love Armando. I like how he usually rubs it in that he's in some sort of pristine conditions weather-wise. Well, maybe not this time. He I might had to double check. I was like, "Are you good?" Yeah, he's going to be in the middle he's of, like, the, of the muck. He's great. Of course, he's great. Of course, are great. It's Armando, Whatever. so good. Absolutely. All right, the next level's next. We're back tomorrow. Cleveland Browns Daily, eight fifty ESPN, Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.